0: And as we go through this series, Love and Light, we're learning to share the good news like Jesus. Jesus came announcing really good news for the world, and we want to learn how he shared that good news. You know, what were some of the uh, ways in which he shared the good news of his Father to the world? Now, for those of you that are new, uh, it, it might feel weird, right, to be part of a series where you're like, well, why do I care about sharing something that I don't yet believe in? <laughs> you know, it's a little odd. Well, I just want to say really quick, I'm glad you're here because you're going to hear from two friends of mine here in a, here in a bit. Um, they're going to share their story of how about a year, two years ago, they were in a place where uh, they, they didn't know much about Jesus. They weren't following Jesus. And in the last couple of years, they've come to encounter Jesus. And in the first service, they did a great job this morning. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, um, for you to hear their stories. But also, if you are new uh, to Jesus, there's this sense in which I think you would agree that we love to share uh, with those we love about the things that we love, right? So if you love something deeply, don't you want to share about it? And don't you want to share the good news? And that's just, we're keeping it natural here. That's what we want to learn to do uh, throughout these four weeks. Um, <laughs> Do you ever find it interesting that sometimes we can judge entire countries, entire cities, whole schools, uh, whole organizations based on one person that we know that either lives there or works there or goes to school there? Have you ever found that interesting? Someone might ask you about a school or an organization or a city or a country, even, um, and you go, uh, Oh, I love that. And you're like, Why? Well, I know this one person from there, you know? Or I know this one person who teaches there or I know this, you know, one person who works there. And you're like, wow, really? So you, the whole thing is awesome because of that one person? Yeah. Um, or it works in the negative too, right? Like, I'm never going to go there. Why not? Well, because I knew this one person who like studied there, worked there was from there, right? We judge. So I'm from Oklahoma. And, uh, and so I came to Canada in the late 90s to go to school at Trinity Western I uh, met Tanya, who's Canadian, that's why I'm still here. But I love, because uh, I love her, and I love this place. This is a beautiful place. I love this country. Um, and so, so, so I'm from Oklahoma. I hope I'm being a good ambassador of the state of Oklahoma. So some of you know some people from Oklahoma, but maybe I'm the only one you know. And I hope I'm doing a good job representing my state. I love my state. It's amazing. A lot of people don't travel to my state. They're like, I traveled through your state. And I'm like, boo. Um, We're good people, good food, not a ton to look at. It's no Cancun, it's no Europe, you know, it's no cruise, Mediterranean cruise, although in Oklahoma you eat like you're on a cruise, just so you know, Um, but uh, delicious food. But I hope I'm being a good ambassador. Like, here's the thing, I hope that when you're like, okay, state of Oklahoma, oh, I know Matthew. And uh, you know, it could be that you don't like me, right? And so you're like, oh, I don't like Oklahoma. But I hope it's the opposite. I hope you're like, oh, I know Matthew. I'd love to travel there and check it out and see, see his home state. So uh, what does this have to do with Jesus? Well, we, we, we judge things in life based on who we know. And we make these sweeping judgments about things in life based on one or two people that we know. And the same happens with Jesus, right? For good or ill, people in our life have seen us. And they've heard that we love Jesus, or they know that we're a follower of Jesus, and that has shaped how they view Jesus. Now, we may not, we may not like that, to hear that, but it's just, it's, it's natural. It's, it's human. It's the, it's the way it works, right? Their impression of Jesus has a lot to do with what they think about us. Let me say it this way. As my friends who don't know Jesus look at me, they are simultaneously judging Jesus. They're like, you know, and it's not that it's not that we, you know, no one ever says that explicitly, right? But as someone looks at my life, they're going, "Huh, I know, I know, Matthew's a Christian. I know he tries to follow Jesus. Um, do I, do I want that? Do I want Jesus, right?" So, when someone looks at your life, do people see the love and light of Jesus in you? Jesus gathered his followers on a hill 2,000 years ago to deliver the best sermon that's ever been preached in the history of the world. And on a ridge of hills with a magnificent view of the Sea of Galilee, he looks at his followers that he loves, and he says this, you are the light of the world. You are the light are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And Jesus, this feels like a a, literally an awesome responsibility that seems quite weighty. The idea that our city looks at us and then makes a judgment call on how they view you. um, Yeah, it's an awesome thought. And Lord God, in many ways I just, I I find in my own life, um, I feel like I don't measure up to that. And so Lord here, would you pour your grace out upon us and your peace that we would be inspired once again, uh, that we would just see the way you see us. Jesus, we know you are the light of the world, and we pray that as we, your kids, your, your children, move into our city, the city that you love deeply, that we'd be faithful in living as the light. And we pray, God, this fall, that many of our loved ones, many of our friends, would come to know you for the first time, we thank you. We love you. We give this time to you. Open up your word. Teach us, Amen. So last week we we talked about the maybe the elephant in the room, the idea that the word evangelism is not very popular. Um, it's fallen. The word has fallen on hard times, shall we say? And why? Well, maybe it feels a little bit like marketing, right? And and it feels like a pushy salesperson. Maybe or we or we think we think it sounds like a pyramid scheme or something like that. And uh, and we have also kind of heard horror stories of the way people have shared about Christianity with others. And we're like, well, we don't want to be that. And so, and so what we do is we, we kind of distance ourselves from the word evangelism. But as we saw last week, the word evangelism, it's, it's, um, it's not a scary word. Um, it, it, it comes from a Greek word, euangelion, which simply means good news. It's good news. Uh, and and in the, it's actually a Roman Empire term. It's an empire term. So it's how the Roman Empire would send runners throughout the empire to deliver the euangelion, uh, the good news, uh, across the empire. And so Christians picked up on that word, and they were like, oh, that's like delivering the good news. And so um, and so, so this, is a, this is a good word, right? It's a good word, but it has fallen on hard times. And, and I've, had a, I've had some moments in my life where... I've had some Christians try to evangelize me. And after I've you know, tried to point out that I'm already a Christian, um, it, it hasn't gone well. It hasn't registered in their minds. Um, and uh, so there, there were a couple guys. And uh, here in Langley, I was at a park. And I was playing football with my kids. And some of you who go to this church, you'll, you'll have heard the story. I shared this, I think, a year ago. But um, I was playing football with my kids. And um, they came up. They found out we were Christians, and the two these two missionaries, quote unquote, tried to uh, share the truth with me. And uh, they said men shouldn't be wearing shorts, and uh, you shouldn't be playing football. Something having to do with pigskin—I don't know Leviticus, touching pigs—I don't know. And uh, and I was I was um, I could feel it running through me. You know what I'm saying? Like that feeling. And it's just, it's coming, and I'm just like, Lord God, uh, uh, fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, uh, Holy Spirit, come and just give me the words. <laughs> and uh, I will say, I just anger came over me where I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And so anyway, they left, but my kids were there. Um, and so my kids go, Daddy, shorts and football aren't in the Bible. And I'm like, exactly, kids. Like you, you're in elementary school. You know this, these two Guys are promoting this legalistic version of faith, and they don't get it right. And and, and it's spreading the news. And just so you know, journey for me is to learn to pray for them. They're made in the image of God. Uh, Jesus told me to pray for my enemy, so I'm um, uh, so learn to pray for for these two fellows, and because uh, they're they're misguided. But um, but you know, the the sad thing is is that some of our loved ones have had maybe encounters maybe in that kind of area code, right? That kind of version where. This pushiness or, or whatever, um, this, or this version of Christianity that, that is not healthy has been shared. And, and it really breaks our hearts, right? Because we're like, oh, we, didn't, uh, we don't want you to hear that version of our faith. Because um, that's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. And so, um, and so back to Jesus. He, he looks at his followers and he says, you are the light of the world. And, and at that point, what we want to say is, Jesus, uh, I don't think so. I think you're the light of the world. So <laughs> just pass it back and forth. And, um, and I think Jesus would respond by saying, yes, of course, you're right, of course, I am the light of the world, but you are in me, and I am in you, you are my body, you're my people, you are my, you're my children, you're my family, and so here's how this is going to go down. Um... These are all my words, right? This is not Jesus' real words. So I'm just paraphrasing. Yeah. And so, this is, so Jesus says, I'm not going to drop, like, evangelistic leaflets from heaven, you know, for people to pick up, right? I'm not, I'm not going to buy commercial ads for television or, you know, pay some money to Google so that my little ads will pop up, right? That's not what God's going to do. I'm, he's not going to do a marketing campaign across Langley. Jesus is saying this My plan is that you are the light of the world. You, that's my that's my plan. I know some of you have grown up in the church. You've heard this since you were little. You've heard this, teenagers and youth group. I'm not telling you anything new. But what the the thing that has to happen here is this has to move from head to heart, and and we and we suddenly we we just go yeah, I understand. I see. Your plan, God, a plan that that um, sometime I'm I'm unsure of, <laughs> is that is that you're using me. And Jesus says, I'm I'm using you in your workplace, in your home, in your school, among your friends. You are the light of the world. And we we might protest and go, this does not seem like a stable plan. (laughs) Uh, It's a plan God delights in. It's his plan. And Paul is a follower of Jesus. um, He uses two images to convey a similar idea to that of light. He he gives us two images, one of aroma, so smell, and the other of an an ambassador. So let's dive into these. 2 Corinthians 2. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Paul's saying this. God moves, um, he moves Paul around city to city and Paul is just going everywhere I go I get to be the aroma of Christ. What does that mean? I get to smell like Jesus. You smell like Jesus? You know, the smell of fresh bread. How many of you just want to follow a tray of fresh bread? You know, the smell of it. You just want to follow it. And there's a sense of we smell like the bread of life. We smell like Jesus in our workplace, in our home, at school, at a dinner party. You just, we smell like Jesus wherever we go. It's the image, aroma of Christ. Or what about the image of an ambassador? So in 2 Corinthians 5, we read this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Okay, so what does an ambassador do? An ambassador represents their home country in a foreign land. And that's what we do. Uh, we are part of the kingdom of God. And we go out as ambassadors representing that kingdom in in the world, in your workplace, in your home, in your school. And so we represent the kingdom of God, the love of God, the heart of God in a foreign land. And notice Paul's saying that God is making his appeal to the world through us. Through us. So again, the plan is you plan is me. The plan for greater Vancouver to come to know the love of Jesus, that plan, that master plan, is you. It's me. It's us. You are the light of the world. You are the aroma of Christ. You are an ambassador of the kingdom of God. And so if that's, if that's the plan, which humbles us, right, if that's the plan, how do we do this well? How can we live as the light, the aroma, ambassadors of Jesus. Well, let, just, let, let me just share some things from my own life that I've found helpful. First of all, it's this. To be the light of the world is to love the light of the world. To take delight in Jesus. Right? People are attracted to genuine love. People are attracted to genuine passion. I think one of the greatest things we can do when we share the good news of Jesus is to actually delight in Jesus and to actually really believe that the good news is good. Do you believe that the good news is good news? Have you been able to nurture a deep love of Jesus? You know, people people want to see something authentic in us, that it's actually real, that it's actually changed us, and that we actually love him. If the good news isn't good news to us, I don't think we'll share it. Tim Chester says this, quote, Enthusiasm for evangelism doesn't begin with evangelism at all. Enthusiasm for evangelism begins with an enthusiasm for Jesus. My willingness to speak of Jesus arises from my delight in Jesus. I love that. Any enthusiasm we would ever have to share about Jesus in our school, our workplace, our home, should bubble up, should come up from a delight in Jesus. A number of months ago, Tony and I were at an Alpha conference in London, and went to a church, and they were just singing this really simple song. And this song had these lyrics: "It's just you are worthy of it all," singing to Jesus, right? "You are worthy of it all." Kings and kingdoms will bow down. You are worthy of it all, and 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 it just this delight in Jesus welled up in me. It's so refreshing. It's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's this reminder of this intimacy, this love that we have for our Savior. And it's really out of that place, this this bubbling forth of delight in Jesus, that it's authentic in us. That, of course, we're going to share it because we love him. And I would just say um, evangelism, sharing the good news, that this is that maybe the first step for you, maybe what God is saying is that this is a season for you to, to remember your first love, to, to take, for God to take your hardened heart and your dry heart and to fall in love with God again and Jesus again. And, and, and that, I think that is, that is one of the biggest steps we can take if we want to be a people who share the good news, is to delight in Jesus. Okay. Second, Second thought is simply this. Be interested and listen. Be interested and listen. Now, why do I say this? Because we're trying to learn to share the good news like Jesus did. And if you actually watch Jesus's life, this is what he did. Jesus was interested in people. Jesus listened to people. One of the greatest gifts we can offer those in our life who are spiritually curious is to lean in and listen to their story. Listen to their heart. Where are they at? What are the questions that they're asking? Less speaking on Matthew's part. That's so hard for me, by the way. Less speaking, more listening. Use these two things. What are, what's my friend's concern when it comes to faith? What are the challenges when it comes to things like the resurrection or miracles or the problem of evil? Or, what, you know, what is it? What are, what are the things that are just kind of like, oh, that, I don't understand that. What is God already doing in in, in the life of my friend? You know, Daryl Johnson says this. He says, evangelism is simply joining into a conversation the Holy Spirit is already having with someone. The Holy Spirit got there before you did. He's already working. The Spirit of God is already working across the world, meeting people where they're at. And so when I come to know a friend who doesn't yet know Jesus, I kind of go, okay, what's the Spirit already doing? What's he already saying in someone's life? Am I listening? You know, in John, in the book of John, uh, if you're new to Jesus, there's four stories of Jesus. There's four accounts of the life of Jesus, and one is called John. And in John, uh, the very first words from Jesus's mouth, it's a question. What do you want? And it's not said like, what do you want? It's said like, hey, what are you looking for, Right? What are you searching for? He turns to these two guys that want to follow him, and he says, what, what do you want in life? Right? And what a, what a powerful opening question in the Gospel of John. you know? Because if we know what our friend is longing for and what our friend wants, then we have an idea of what God is doing in their life and in their heart. And notice that Jesus didn't jump in with answers He loved to ask questions, and I want to share a quote with you, and this blew my mind uh, a couple weeks ago when I read this. I didn't realize it was this this crazy. So Craig Springer says this, the Bible records 307 questions that Jesus asked. Pause. Just look at that. How many questions? If you read the four gospels, how many questions does Jesus ask? 307 questions, along with 183 questions others asked of him. But do you know how many times Jesus gave a direct answer? Eight. Eight times. And some scholars argue that on only three of those occasions was the answer he gave completely direct. So Jesus was 40 times more likely to ask a question than to provide a direct answer, give or take. And this coming from the one and only person who walked the earth and actually knew all the answers. Right? And you and I, we don't know all the answers, (laughs) and yet we go around probably 40 times more likely to talk than to listen, you know? Okay, let's say Matthew is. Matthew is. I am. I don't know about you, but I am more likely to talk than to listen. One recent study I read said that the highest hope that people uh, who are curious about faith had was that someone would listen to them without judgment. That was number one on this survey. It was the highest hope. That somebody who is spiritually curious would, would, would encounter a Christian that would just listen without judgment. And in order to listen, we gotta ask some questions, you know? And this is hard. Ask yourself the question Am I a good listener? Better yet, if you came with someone you know, if you're here by yourself, you don't need to do this, but if you came with someone you know, turn to them right now, I mean it, and say Am I a good listener? And the other friend, the friend needs to be honest. And are you listening to their response, <laughs> right? All right. Hope some of you were honest. Great, this is, now's my moment. Matthew just gave me a moment to finally tell my friend, my loved one. Like, all they do is talk. They don't listen. This is great. There's going to be a healing uh, in the room here today. Healing of relationships. It's great. So when we listen, what do we do? We're validating the questions, the struggle, the real confusion that many have when they come to know God. Coming to know God is an adventure. It is massive. There are, there's, there's the Bible. There's miracles. There's the idea of a God that we can't see. I mean, this is a journey. This is an incredible journey that people take. And and. We need to listen to how they're doing. I love David Augsburger who says this. He says, quote, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they're almost indistinguishable. Think about that. When someone listens to you, like really listens to you, you feel loved. You feel cared for. And I love counselors. And what I'm about to say uh, is positive for counseling. Kate. Okay, just, <laughs> but I would say there's a massive surge in people needing counseling and, Kate, okay, this is not a study, this is Matthew's wondering and opinion, <laughs> is I wonder how many of us are looking for counseling because we're not finding in our friendship those who will listen. Just listen. No judgment. Listening, asking questions. Because a lot of counselors would be like, that's the secret sauce, <laughs> you know? Listen and ask questions. And most people kind of are able to sort through things, pretty difficult things, if they have someone who loves them, someone who <laughs> listens, and someone who asks questions. And, uh, and I love counseling, and counseling ne- needs to continue to happen. And I've benefited uh, an extreme amount from counseling, from my counselor. But I wonder, what, in what ways? Are people running to counselors when, in reality, this community around them could, could be a listening, loving, question-asking group of people in their life? And healing can happen in these beautiful relationships. We live in a polarized, angry culture, and what a gift to give people when we listen. Okay, number three, third. Be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. Okay, so there, you're like, okay, so all we do is listen. Well, no, there are times in, in Jesus' life, he did this, that, that there's a moment where we share the truth, right? And, in, uh, and, and one of the most amazing moments, uh, I think in, in Mark chapter 12, we read this story where a teacher of the law came and heard some debate and noticed that Jesus had given a good answer. He says this, I'm reading from Mark 12. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus answers directly. This is one of those rare moments. It's beautiful. He says, the most important one, answer Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Jesus answers a direct question. It's beautiful. And and, and And he goes to the heart of God's love for the world and our love for one another. And so there are times when we, answer a question. And when your loved one asks you, are you able to articulate the hope? First Peter 3 says this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And if we could leave that verse on the screen for a second, I just want you to notice, to give an answer to everyone who asks you, <laughs> right? Uh, did they ask? Um, you know, or like my two friends that I ran into on the street, did they barrel in with their opinions, right? Or, or, or did someone you love ask you? And the second thing is notice with gentleness and respect. Look at that. Be- beautiful two words there. With gentleness and respect, we share the hope. If I asked you today, why are you a Christian? Why are you following Jesus? Um, what would you say? Uh, how would you articulate that? Um, just, you know, it's okay to practice it if you want. You're like, well, I've, no, I've never been asked, and I don't know what I would say. I don't know how I'd say it. Um, it's okay to write it down and practice it and go, if someone asked you, you know, why, why do you, why are you a person of faith? Why, why do you go to church? Why, why do you follow Jesus? Um, to kind of go, okay, I'd, I'd love to kind of narrow that down. What, why is it that I have hope in Jesus? You know, the longer we're friends with people and the longer we don't talk about Jesus, it can get awkward. We talk freely about the weather, about sports, about hobbies, about work, about children, and then about the weather again, <laughs> and, and then about Donald Trump, and then about uh, masks and vaccines. And I mean, we're kind of willing to talk about a bunch of stuff, uh, but it's, it's, it's interesting when Jesus just never comes up. And then I, I guess my, what I'd like to say is that like, that can be weird because then it becomes this weird secret that we're keeping from someone who's genuinely our friend and someone we love. And, and actually, that's not natural. <laughs> that's the kind of the opposite of natural. It's, it's not what friends do. Um, and so if you, no matter where you're at uh, on your spiritual journey, some of you are Christians, some of you are atheists, agnostics, just checking out Jesus, wherever you're at, if you find Jesus any bit interesting and you're spending time learning about him, keep it natural, keep it authentic. Talk about it with your friends. Um, with those you love and as we keep things natural, we allow these things to kind of just bubble up and and, uh, and we get to share the good news and then fourth Learn together with that person learn together. Um, I think one of the, 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 the Lies when it comes to evangelism is that we've got to know all the answers uh, Before we share it and that is just not true. I think we come with humility and uh, And somebody asks us a question and we're like wow. I have no idea. I literally do not know the answer to your question. Let's learn together. And you just, the two of you, go on a journey learning together and keep it humble, um, because there's so much to learn. And, and in Christianity, the more we learn, the more questions we have, because we're like, whoa, this is deeper, richer, fuller, more beautiful than I could ever imagine. And so there's so much to learn. And I would encu- I, I'd encourage you just to be honest, um, even with someone you love, just to go, hey, just so you know, I, I'm a little nervous talking about my faith. Uh, and I think sometimes that vulnerability allows your friend who doesn't know Jesus to kind of go, oh, cool, like, my friend's human, and they're a little nervous to talk about this, and so, um, yeah, it's just keeping things natural, and then finally, the best thing we can do is pray, and some of you will know that we're setting our alarms uh, as a church family. Hopefully, this doesn't feel gimmicky. It's all about prayer. We're setting our alarms every day for 1102, um, and I'm sending, setting it Monday to Saturday, not Sunday, because it would, you know, interrupt the worship service, but 11.02 to remind us of Luke 11, chapter, or sorry, chapter 11, verse 2, which says, your kingdom come, your will be done. And so we're praying for three friends, that each of us in the room would have three friends that we're praying for, and we're lifting up to Jesus and saying, God, we want to see your kingdom come and your will be done in those three friends' life. And I would ask you the question right now, who are the three friends that come to mind in your life? that you would love for them to encounter Jesus. Here at North Langley, the primary way we practice this culture of love and listening is by inviting our friends to the Alpha Course. You're gonna hear about Alpha for the next three weeks. Alpha the Alpha Course is an eight week course designed to introduce people to Jesus. Um, Every Wednesday night this fall, starting September 27th here at Walnut Grove, we're gathering around a table um, to discuss questions of faith, And uh, just so you know, every Monday night at our Yorkson campus, starting September 25th, um, uh, Alpha begins there as well, at Richard Bullpit Elementary, if you live in that area. But the topics we ask are things like, is there more to life than this? Who is Jesus? Why did Jesus have to die? How can I have faith? Why and how do I pray? It's the basics of Christianity, and so you're more than welcome to join us. Here's a little video uh, that gives a little preview of the Alpha course.
1: Ever wonder who we were created to be? We ask, we question, we learn, we grow. We are explorers, adventurers, dreamers, innovators. We wonder what, how, and why. There's so much more to explore together. New stories, new loves, new joy. Have you ever wondered? Keep questioning. Keep discovering. Try Alpha.
0: Okay, so uh, that doesn't really describe the course, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's very beautiful video. Um, but it's true. We ask a lot of great questions, and what I want to do is introduce two friends of mine who um, have been on a journey with Jesus, and I'll invite Brienne up first. So uh, can you guys welcome Brienne?
2: Hi. hi, it's a full house. Wow, hi. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so about a week and a half ago or something like that, or a week ago, I asked you to do this, and thanks for saying yes. And, and um, Brianne, uh, do you want to give us just a little tip of the iceberg of your journey um, coming to know Jesus?
2: Sure. Um, I think it's important to go back sort of to the beginning um, to understand the journey. I was raised in a family that was non-Christian. There was no church, no scripture. Um, No discussion of God. Um, Morals and values, sure, but um, sort of a Christian mindset, not too much. Um, And then as I uh, went to university and grew up and became a teacher, I moved out to Fort Langley. And I noticed um, a commonality amongst the people in the community I was building around myself. Um, A lot of them were faith-based, went to church, had an affiliation with a community in the church. Uh, Very new to me. Um, It took sort of my atheist background that I would say I was in my, you know, my teens and my 20s to more of an agnostic mindset of, um, is there kind of more that I don't know, is there more purpose, more faith out there, Um, they listened to me, they allowed me to make very. You know, answer very difficult questions. There was no judgment in what I asked or how I asked it. Um, they sort of let me figure figure out my path, and um, also wanted to take me on it with them. Like they supported me through it. Amazing. And uh, and then I met Tanya, your lovely wife, and um, she was the one that introduced me to Alpha. Um, and for about six months or so, she was very persistent. <laughs> That I uh, join Alpha and um, sort of ask the tough questions and get some answers and help me build a relationship with God. So it's hmm. good. That's how I got there. Brian said
0: she used to avoid me uh, at the yeah. at the playground.
2: He could <laughs> smell the non-Christian fear. That's what I thought. So I kind of. <laughs> around. Um,
0: no, it was so good, and you and you came to Alpha. Thanks for saying yes. You, you gave it. A, you gave it a try. I think you were going to just do one night. Yeah. Uh, yeah free but
2: food, childcare.
0: Free food and childcare. That's right. Yeah. Come for
2: one night.
0: <laughs> and what was your experience at Alpha?
2: Um, completely and utterly life changing. Uh, as someone who, I, like I said, most of my life I was an extreme atheist. Like I would be like, nope. You know, mm-hmm. people that follow are sorely missed mistaken yes and as i sort of came to alpha and started to question uh my group i just i never felt judgment i never felt like anything i was asking was too much or um or that they didn't even feel it themselves sometimes Mm. so i didn't feel segregated i felt welcomed into a community and the people i met in alpha were wonderful and we still continue today to meet as a life group um so lifelong relationships awesome. It's awesome. Do you want
0: to tell us some of those first people that you met in Langley? You you mentioned several of those people's names in the first service, but tell us about them. What did you see in light of today's message about the light of the world? You saw the light of Jesus in them, and can you say more about that?
2: Yeah, I uh, hadn't ever been really vulnerable about the topic, and when I started to meet these people, um, there was Lauren and Kelsey Platt there actually at Living Waters, and Walt and Deb Nordman are in refuge in downtown Langley. Um, They just listened. They let me ask the questions. There was no judgment. I could be vulnerable. Um, I was not condemned for maybe not agreeing or not seeing it their way. Um, They welcomed sort of to walk it with me, which really sort of rolled me into more of an agnostic and questioning phase in my life, which for me was quite a change because I had such a negative outlook in my earlier years. Um, So it gave me sort of the push to, you know, maybe engage in that direction more. And then, like I said, Tanya persisted for several months and got me to join uh, Alpha. And, um, and it's, yeah, I've just never, never looked back. I'm still obviously building a relationship with God and totally. It's a long road to go 40 years in one direction, and then all of a sudden have the blinders removed and the, mm. the veil lifted, as you like yeah. to say, I think is your... Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, I'm, I'm just really thankful to have taken the wall down, because so I had good. a wall up and I never even realized it, so...
0: Uh, you know, we're just... Tony and I are filled with joy as we just watch what God's doing in your life. It's just amazing. You've joined a life group. Um, and uh, we're excited to see what Jesus does. Uh, yeah, my yeah. husband
2: starts Alpha this fall, and my children are in the Sunday school. So it's so great. We're all getting in, involved.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Okay, thanks, Bree. <laughs> That's awesome. And Janess, can we welcome Janess? She's going to share her story. Okay. Ah. Hi. <laughs> Uh, Jeunesse, uh, in the first service, thank you for sharing your story, and again here now. um, Would you want to give us just a tip of the iceberg of, for you now, a year and a half, two years, this journey that you've been on with Jesus? Tell us about it. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. And I'm going to start at the beginning, which is actually the meaning of my name. My name is Jeunesse, and in English that's Genesis. I was the firstborn. I was born in rural Quebec and raised by a single mother. I was baptized at seven years old in a small Catholic church but we only attended church for very special occasions like Christmas mass. And my mother taught me to pray at meals and before, before bed to keep me safe at night. And as a young adult, really, I was quite uneducated about Christianity, not having read the Bible, not having attended church regularly. Um, I moved out and went to university to study business and God became more of a muted belief in my life. I focused on building my own little kingdom, getting good grades, landing a job, renovating an apartment, building IKEA furniture, (laughs) climbing the corporate ladder, achieving bigger results, getting married, working on two little miracles of my own, who I love more than anything in the world, buying a home. And having it all sounds great on paper, but it's challenging, right? At times, challenging. And there's never enough time to do it all. And So two years ago when I finally checked off the last box on my goals, I thought I'd feel great, but I didn't. I felt super unfulfilled. Hmm. So I figured something must have been missing. I must have been missing a checkbox. So I got a puppy. (laughs) 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 So there was more love and less time with the puppy, but something very big and very important was still definitely missing. Then my mother shared her excitement about the teachings of a new ministry that she was following and she sent me their videos. And she knew I only prayed occasionally and that I had married an atheist and that we had decided that we would let our children grow up a bit and make their own decisions about religion later. But the more I learned, the more I wanted to know. So for Easter last year, I asked my neighbor about local churches because I'm new to Walnut Grove and she highly recommended I come see you, Matthew, uh, at NLCC. Hmm. And uh, in that Easter service, your kingdom series really hit home for me.
0: That's encouraging.
1: Here I am. I've got my little life. My boxes are checked. And on Easter, you start describing this massive kingdom where we have all this love from Jesus, where we have love for each other, where even our hearts and our minds are clear of sin and where we care for the poor and the sick and wow i was super inspired i felt sad and happy at the same time it felt like coming home after decades of being lost and i've never felt more eager to learn more so i went on amazon and ordered a bible and then my excitement turned into confusion really
2: fast
1: (laughs) I I seriously could not get through those first 10 pages. I read them over and over again, and I had so many questions. I just couldn't move beyond the first 10 pages. And it gets
0: harder after the first 10 pages. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing the Old
1: Testament now. It does get harder. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I, I signed up for Alpha. And Alpha is a great place to ask questions. And I was super lucky to be seated with Tim and Cindy McCarthy and some other wonderful people. And uh, Tim and Cindy have been incredible mentors in my d- journey to Jesus. And so, in Alpha, I explored lots of questions. And then Tim invited me to take the first of his apprentice life sessions. Um, and I got to have Cindy as my mentor. So I'm a very lucky, lady. Um, And I've just been so grateful for their unfailing patience with my questions and wrestling with the Word of God Their generous sharing of their time and wisdom and kindness. So a huge thank you to Tim and Cindy Um, And I highly recommend the apprentice program So if you've taken alpha already the apprentice life program is phenomenal and if you haven't taken alpha I recommend that as well as a phenomenal first step in my journey Um, So over the summer, I've been reading the Old Testament, which is much harder than those first 10 pages. And actually, I'm not reading it this time. I'm listening to the audio readings while I walk Toby. And um, Toby's name means God is good because I wanted a reminder, a daily reminder to make God part of my daily life. And the more I learn about Jesus, the more I see and I feel him in a very real way and in miraculous ways in my own life. And the more I feel the Holy Spirit, God's kingdom is certainly more magnificent, as you described, than what I had ever imagined.
0: Mm, That's amazing. And Janez, do you want to just say more about um, just the the person for you that you could see Jesus in? And uh, you had mentioned it was your mom. You want to say more about her?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So my mom is just incredible. I mean, she oozes God and the teachings of Jesus. She taught me that god loved me unconditionally and she certainly loved me unconditionally um that he had the ultimate patience and that he always watched over me and he's always forgiving when i make mistakes Um, and that he's a protector Um, and so she's been incredible and she's been there for me when i've had challenges the person who listens and asks questions um, and it's just incredible to be on this journey here at this church where her strong connections with God is something that I'm starting to have for myself in my own life rather than being dependent on her for it. Um, And so I feel really grateful to my mother for raising me to believe in God. I'm grateful for my beautiful children who've made my heart grow by three sizes. I'm grateful to be an apprentice of Jesus and I'm grateful to be here with your guidance Matthew and that of Cindy and Tim at this church. And this morning when I was reading my my Bible, I'm going through the Old Testament. I was at Proverbs 22, verse 6, I read this morning. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. And that's so certainly good. that's true of me.
0: Yeah, Jenez, we're, we're so excited about this journey, and honestly, I love the questions you're asking. You go deep, and uh, it's just been really fun to watch what God's doing. So thanks so much for sharing. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Hannah Steele says this, quote, conversations about the things we love most and are most interested in arise naturally and easily through the connectedness of our lives with people that we know. The good news of Jesus is no different. It has always been passed on through ordinary individuals. Ordinary, And you've heard that um, in Janessa's life, in Brianne's life. They were just ordinary people, a mom, a new friend in a new city, um, and they saw Jesus in them. And so uh, thank you both for sharing. It's an encouragement to us. And um, what I'd love to do is to ask us to stand. We're going to worship. We're going to spend some time worshiping Jesus. You are the light of the world, North Angley. You're the aroma of Christ. You're ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And as we end our time, I would like to focus your attention on that cross. The moment when Jesus' arms were outstretched out of love for the world. This radical love, this selfless love for the world. That was our king. Our king on the cross with his arms stretched wide, giving up his life for the forgiveness of sins, to reconcile us back to God, to have relationship with God. And that kind of selfless love Uh, May it fill you. May you come to know your first love again. And as I mentioned earlier, any of you are just feeling hard-hearted, feeling a little bit cold when it comes to faith. Our prayer team's here. We would love to see um, some of you receive prayer today. Our prayer room is also in the back. Um, but how could we in worship just come to delight in Jesus again? And come forward for anything, for any kind of prayer. Some of you, if you have a burden on your heart to pray for someone who you love, your prayer team would love to pray with you um, to intercede for that person. But Lord Jesus, we come to you here, and we are grateful as we see your arms outstretched with great love for the world. We thank you that our friends, uh, Brianne and Janice, um, have come to know you, and God, we pray you'd bless them and fill them and guide them as they continue to grow in you. God, I lift up the rest of us in this room that we would delight in you, that you would take our hard hearts and that you'd make them soft again, and that our our experience in the next few weeks would be one of great delight in you, and that when we share our faith, Lord, it would be authentic, it would be true, and it would bubble up from a deep passion in you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, we love you, and, uh, and we, we place all of our friends, those friends that are on our heart, we place them before you, knowing that you love them and Holy Spirit, that you're already at work in their lives. Draw them to yourself. Amen.